Good evening, everybody. This is Chu, and I present Chu's Chalk Talk, CCT, if I may. Friday Eve, everybody. Got the great college football on manana. Just want to shout out everyone for tuning in today. Second episode, uh, I apologize for the first episode. Sounded like I was talking at a eulogy, or as my friend said, an ASMR. So this week, I'm going to put a little more pizzazz, talk like myself, and just coast and not be as timid and tense as I was last time. One of my buddies told me, just pretend like I'm talking to you, which I'm going to do. So if he was here right now, I'm going to be talking to him today. So to get this week's episode started, last week was the inaugural week of college football. And as we know, we had some crazy crazy games. And that is what we're going to start off today with, recapping some of the wild games that occurred. So to start off with number one, in my eyes, we have the great number five, Georgia, against number three, Clemson. Those are the previous rankings in the poll. As a result, we knew Georgia victoriously beat Clemson 10 to 3, and I was actually really happy. I hate Georgia and Clemson, as a Bama fan. But honestly, I was rooting for the refs. That's how much I hate both of them. But uh, the game was a bloodbath. Very defensive battle. Both quarterbacks, DJ Uyangale, uh, or DJ Ukulele as I call him, honestly didn't have a great start to his season as a potential Heisman frontrunner. He went 19 for 37. 178 yards and a pick that was, unfortunately, a pick six. That was George's only touchdown. And then on the other side, JT Daniels, the Southern Cal transfer last year, who won the starting battle late in the season and looked decent second half of the season for Georgia, he laid an egg as well. Another potential Heisman front runner. Daniels threw for 135 yards and a pick. So nothing outstanding from either of the quarterbacks. And you may say, well, Chu. The defenses are both great, and that is true. Both defenses are some of the better defenses in the country. Fast on the edges, both decent against the run. D-backs, I would say Georgia has the edge there. Clemson's D-backs have been notoriously not good over the past three, four years. Just ask Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and Justin Jefferson about that one. I think we know what happened there. Another key fact that I saw from watching the game was Clemson's offensive line. DJ Ukulele was at siege the whole game. I remember towards the end of the game, when I was watching the end of it, I literally heard the announcers, Kirk and Chris Fowler, say that it was the seventh sack Georgia had on the day. Seven sacks? Clemson offensive line. What, were you sleeping? Were there, you know, were there man-eating animals on the other side of the ball? Or did you not show up? You might as well put garbage cans fucking protecting him. Like, sheesh. I'm sorry, but their offensive line did not perform at all. And as we know, Clemson will coast its way throughout the rest of the season because they play girls and boys middle school teams for the rest of the year. That is the ACC. And as of right now, none of the teams left they play are ranked, which could change, obviously, because rankings change every week. But... This one loss doesn't catastrophically kill Clemson's playoff hopes. 
but it definitely dampens them because when the committee looks at them at the end of the year, probably be 12 and one, the conference champion chip under the belt, but they won't have that signature win, which could be they could claim as the conference championship game. But we will get to that when we cross down the road. Now, on the other hand, Georgia, as you know, they play in the SEC, the best conference in college football. They probably won't have too many tough games this year. Let's look over their schedule now, shall we? Pull my handy-dandy app here. And uh, side note here for everybody, if you don't have a college football app, I highly recommend it because this is literally what I use to, to stay everything college football. So Georgia, as we know, beat Clemson 10-3. to They play UAB, which is University of Alabama, Birmingham, South Carolina, Vanderbilt, Arkansas, away at Auburn, so that's one tough game, Kentucky, the Florida game in Jacksonville, Mizzou, Tennessee, Charleston, Southern, and Georgia Tech. So they have tough, two tough games, you could say, in Auburn and the neutral site game in Jacksonville against Florida, the Florida-Georgia game, which is always a great, 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 great game. So Georgia pretty much could coast the rest of the year, going undefeated into the SEC championship, where they will pretty much play Alabama, unless Texas A&M. Or Auburn playing spoiler like they do every couple of years. Could say something about that. So Georgia could be undefeated. Bama could be undefeated. Well, they should both be undefeated going to the SEC championship game. And then winner of that would be undefeated. Would probably be the number one seed in the playoff. And this could be the year. Yes, I will say it. That a potential one-loss team that loses in his conference championship could possibly make the playoff. And why I say this is such great news. Why I say it's such a shock is because a one-loss conference championship team that has lost in his conference championship has not made the playoffs until last year with Notre Dame. Before that, every year, the team that always lost the conference championship would not make the playoffs that assuming year. So that's why this could be a very interesting year with that. Next, I will shift over to the Bama-Miami game. Roll Tide. Indeed, the tie did roll. The biggest question mark for me personally and others is how Bryce Young would do. And Bryce Young shined. He went 27-38, 344 passing yards, and four touchdowns. Which is, he broke a record set by Mac Jones and none other than Broadway Joe Namath for most touchdowns in a Bama starting debut with four passing touchdowns. He, the kid, he put his mark on the Heisman outrageously. He was always a potential frontrunner or hype before the season, but now he is the outright frontrunner, in my opinion. He should be the lead guy. He went off. As a, as, what is he now? I think he's a sophomore or redshirt freshman in his first, his first game. It's kind of ridiculous, if you ask me. So, the offense looked outrageous. Uh, let's see. What else? Miami <laughs> kind of rolled over. We knew it was going to be a beatdown, and that is what it was. So, besides much, Miami looked okay. Spurs, like Spiders at most. The Eric King looked, ah, I thought he was going to do better. Threw a couple interceptions. But I don't think anyone went into this game expecting Miami to do anything or win. So, another key fact that I saw, which I expected, was the Bama defense. The Bama defense... Like I said in the last week's episode, I predict it's going to be the best it's been in the past five years. And they showed it. 
forcing turnovers, looking good against the pass and the run, holding stout, making key stops when they needed to. Because now, in the days of college football, defenses bend, don't break. Those are the good defenses. The defensive games of the Clemson-Georgia game that we had this season was the first, I would say, defensive battle game that I've seen in the past six, seven, eight years. That score was 10-3. to You don't see many 10-3 to scores anymore with no offensive touchdowns. Another key game was the Oklahoma-Tulane game. Now, one of my buddies, I'm not going to mention him, but he will be on the show when I bring on some of my friends to talk about their colleges and their traditions with college football, et cetera, et cetera. He told me that Oklahoma has a great defense this year, and last year they only let up 22 points per game, whatever. They were great. And I told my buddy, that is great for Oklahoma. But at the end of the day, just like the sun rises every morning and sets every night, Oklahoma's defense will be trash. And that is a fact. I'm sorry, Oklahoma lovers, Oklahoma fans. Sorry to break the good news to you. You have great quarterbacks. You put up a great couple Heisman quarterbacks. You have great offenses. But your defense is trash every year. I don't care how good it is. It ain't an SEC defense. It ain't even Clemson's defense. It ain't an Ohio State defense. Honestly, some Big Ten defenses can be better than than Oklahoma's defense. So, please, don't tell me Oklahoma's defense is good. They won 40-35 in Norman. So, in Oklahoma... And Tulane almost pulled off the upset. Rattler, Spencer Rattler, who's supposed to be, who's probably supposed to be the front runner or one of the front runners for the Heisman this year, he laid an egg. He played horrible, played like trash. Threw two interceptions. One pick was on the second throw of the game. And you could say, well, he's he was a freshman last year, it's his sophomore season, he's settling in. I understand he's settling in. But with all the hype and Lincoln Riley over there. They should not be beating Tulane, who has no business being in the game, by five points in your own stadium. You should be blowing them out 50-0. to zero. And again, if their defense is so good, why they up 35 points? But I digress, because that's just baloney. So please, don't everyone, anyone, I don't care if you're Lincoln Riley or Oklahoma's defensive coordinator or an Oklahoma player, don't tell me your defense is good. It's ass. Okay? Please. That's enough with that. Next, we're turning over to the Notre Dame-Florida State game. This is the night game on Sunday night. As you know, it was the overtime thriller that Notre Dame clutched and won out. Notre Dame's offense was honestly outstanding with Jack Cohen. He played outrageous. And a little bit of a back on Jack Cohen, he grew up on Long Island, played at Sayville High School, which I grew up on Long Island as well. I played football. I was in a league below his league. Like, leagues in Long Island football are based on population. He was in League 3. We were in League 4 my high school. And I remember going to the Long Island Championship game to watch him play. They played Lawrence, and he set all these different high school records for Long Island. He was outstanding quarterback. He went to Wisconsin, played there his junior and senior seasons, and then he got hurt his senior season last year. And then they brought up Grand Mertz, who was a highly recruited kid, and they started him over Cohen. And as you know from last week's episode, Wisconsin laid a goose egg against Penn State. They sucked. And Grand Mertz threw like two picks, one of them on the game-winning drive. So he's ass. So they kind of screwed themselves. So Cohen, redshirted, and his last year, his COVID eligibility year, took it, transferred to Notre Dame, and now he's a starting quarterback. And he looked phenomenal. Pull up some stats for you. 
He was 26 for 35, passing 366 yards and four touchdowns. He threw one interception. That's okay. Four touchdowns, 366 yards. This is outstanding. If Wisconsin only let the kid throw the ball that much, they're kicking themselves right now. The defenses both look stout. This is a great game for college football. And honestly, it proved a little bit that Florida State can can hang a little bit. Ever since Jimbo Fisher left, they've kind of been an embarrassment, Florida State. So it's kind of good to see that they compete in the national spotlight, especially on a Sunday night, big stage against Notre Dame. Great win on the road, excuse me, for Notre Dame. And again, they're an independent. They've always have been. Last year, they joined the ACC because of COVID. But this year, they're an independent. So, again, we shall see if they shall make a playoff push as well. They got some tough games. They play at Wisconsin. Well, actually, that game is in Soldier Field. It's at a neutral site in October. No, the last week of September. My, my mistake. September 25th. That's a tough game. So that will be the revenge game for Cohen. Hopefully he smacks down Wisconsin. Then they play Cincinnati at home. That's a big game. At Virginia Tech. Okay. Home against Southern Cal. Home against UNC. Honestly, I don't know how to call that game because Howell kind of sucked his first game. Then Navy, Virginia, Stanford, which should be okay. So they probably have like three or four tough games, five tough games left. So, again, Notre Dame could make another push for the playoffs with this kid Cohen. I would love to see it happen. Long Islander would be great. So we shall see where that turns up. And the last game I'd like to say is the UCLA-LSU game. And again, Roll Tide, big Alabama fan. One of my buddies rooted for LSU hard when they won the championship, and he always rubs in about Coach O and them beating Bama that year. It was only about like five points. But it's okay, whatever. They had a great team, even though last year we had a team probably the same level, even better. That's up for a debate another time. But LSU! Went out to UCLA, the Rose Bowl Stadium, and they got, <laughs> I wouldn't say embarrassed because it was close, but they did get embarrassed because they lost to UCLA, who under Chip Kelly hasn't really performed well. But UCLA, I'll give them credit, off to a 2-0 start because they played a week before everyone did last week. So you have two wins under their belt. They beat Hawaii, and they beat LSU. And LSU sucks, and before the game, uh, Coach O was walking into the stadium. I saw a clip. One of his fan, one of the fans was heckling him, and Coach O said with his great Cajun accent, "Why don't you come down here and like talk about it? Whatever." That was my great Coach O impersonation for everyone back home. And um, he said, "Why don't you come here with that sissy blue color?" Because I guess UCLA's blue looks sissy to him. I couldn't tell you. I think their blue is pretty nice. So after UCLA won, they posted he was on their Twitter page or their Instagram page. But next to UCLA on a t-shirt, they put Sissy Blue, and now it's a big thing. So, uh, LSU, again, good luck getting a title in the next 60 years. God bless LSU fans. Okay, now let's move on to the games to watch this week. As we know, that was last week. This week, some key games. Everyone get your listening ears ready. We have first game. Oregon against Ohio State. The Ducks are coming into Columbus to the horseshoe. Number 12, Oregon against number 3, Ohio State at 12 noon Eastern time. All my times will be Eastern time because I live in the East Coast. 
just for everyone who's listening. So don't, you know, get excited if it's not 12 noon, if it's 11 central or wherever you live. So Oregon, Ohio State, 12 noon. We'll see how C.J. Stroud plays. Again, last week he had a great game. Threw a pick and looked rattled at times, but overall played well. So this will be a great opponent. The horseshoe will be rocking. One of my friends goes to Ohio State. Again, I will get him on the show at some point, And I will have him tell us about the great experience of Ohio State and the horseshoe and the traditions as well. That's what I'm going to plan on doing when I bring some of my friends on. Just to give you a sneak peek, I'm going to have them talk about some of the traditions that their school does, the atmosphere, the tailgating, and just give a little, shine a little light. Because I went to Alabama. I never went to any other school for a game until this past weekend, which I'll talk about. So having you know members of this community, members of the college football fan base come on, and we get to talk about you know their experiences, their traditions. It kind of makes us, you know gives everyone a light. To say, oh, wow, so that's what it's like to go to a Big Ten game, an Ohio State game, a Clemson game, a Liberty game, a Wake Forest game, a Florida game, etc., etc. So this is honestly, in my opinion, probably either the best or second best game this weekend. Big game for Ohio State. See what they're made of. Their non-conference, big non-conference game this season. Next, we have the Iowa-Iowa State game, the Battle of the State we have number 10, Iowa, versus number 9, Iowa State. That is at 4.30 p.m., again, Eastern Time, in Iowa State. And I believe, if I remember correctly from hearing it, this is the first time where they're both ranked, which is kind of nutty. Iowa State is number 9, Iowa's number 10. I honestly believe that Iowa State will come out victorious. They got Brees Hall in the backfield, who's another Heisman frontrunner, Bryce Purdy. The quarterback has a nice gunsling arm, cannot move the offense well. I think they'll handle business. Sorry to switch back to the Ohio State-Oregon game. I think Ohio State should win that game, no problem. Oregon's ranked 12th, and yeah, they'll be a little competitive, but honestly, they haven't really been good since Herbert left. Now to the third game. We have Washington against Michigan. Another Pac-12 Big Ten game. That is at 8 p.m. Eastern. It's going to be in the big house in Michigan. They're both unranked. Pretty much they both suck. Sorry, Jim Harbaugh. You haven't done anything since you've gone to Michigan except been a failure. Honestly, you shouldn't have a job. Go back to the NFL because you suck. In college, I should say. Washington, again, really hasn't been anything since 2016. Since Jake Browning and the boys were there. So, honestly, this one's a toss-up. Flip a coin and tell you who wins. Honestly, I hope it's Washington wins because screw Michigan. They stink. And last but not least, we have the great Stanford against Southern Cal game. The great Cali battle. It's going to be in the LA Coliseum. Southern Cal's ranked 14th. Stanford is unranked. That is at 10.30 p.m. Eastern. So those four games, I would say, are your great games to watch. The Bamas, the Clemsons, the Georgias, everyone, they kind of play some FCS or other scrubby teams that aren't even worth watching if they're going to be on TV. Some of them aren't even televised on national TV. But those are the big games. Definitely tune in and watch. I know I will be. So we shall see what happens. Again, my picks are Iowa State, Ohio State, Washington. And honestly, I'll go run with Southern Cal, run with the Trojans. This year, we'll see. Maybe they can win the Pac-12. 
but I'm going to go with them over Stanford. Alrighty. Now, we're going to transition to the great Heisman list. My predictions also give you some updates on some of the stats and how some of the key front runners and performers played week one. So, let's get started here. First one I have, DJ Ugagale from Clemson, a.k.a. G DJ Ukulele. So, DJ Ukulele. Again, they played Georgia. Great defense. Probably won't see defense as good the rest of the season until the playoffs. So, let's start here. His stats, again, he went 19 for 37, 178 yards and a pick. So, again, he laid a goose egg. Didn't look good. He got sacked seven times. Again, Clemson offensive line, you suck. Really, you suck. Figure something out. Some trash cans could have done better than you. Jesus Christ. God bless. God bless DJ Ukulele in that backfield. Next, JT Daniels. Again, I talked about it before. Had 135 yards passing through a pick. That's it. That's what his stat line because, again, there was no offensive touchdowns in the game. DJ Ungalagale's pick six. He threw a pick. That was the only touchdown. So, again, both of those guys were clear front runners, clear favorites. I checked the Vegas odds on them before the season. It was probably outrageous. And they both laid an egg. Next, we'll switch to Spencer Rattler, who, again, laid an egg. <laughs> Not look good. Went 30 for 39, which is great percentage-wise. 304 yards, which is great. Two touchdowns, but through two picks. And again, they, they almost blew it the Tulane. I'm sorry, Spencer Rattler. Get your shit together. Oklahoma defense, that's supposedly good. You're not, though. Get your shit together. If you get upset Norman by Tulane, just stop. Just stop being an embarrassment, okay? You're in the Big 12. I get it. You're in the basketball conference. But please, do something with yourself. Next, we have Sam Howell. And as you can see, these are all some of the favorites, or preseason favorites. Sam Howell. Honestly, he looked the worst out of everyone. <laughs> that was a favorite. He went 17 for 32, threw for 208 yards, one touchdown, and three picks. And he ran the ball 13 times for 35 yards. So the man threw three picks. And as I said, he threw a pick late in the game, trying to win the game, drive down the field. So he looked, ah, God, worse than anybody I've said before this. So Sam Howell, get your crap together. Mac Brown, you were dancing last year with UNC, saying UNC, you brought the program back. Sam Howell's going to be a frontrunner for the Heisman. I don't see it right now. I understand it's one week, but the big players show up no matter what stage it is. You don't take weeks off. Next, we go to Brees Hall. Brees Hall is the running back for Iowa State. He rushed for 100 yards, 3 yards per carry, and 27 attempts, and had one, one touchdown. Which, okay, you would say 100 yards is great, but 3 yards per carry on 27 attempts, so eh, that's not really that good for... It's not bad. Um, I would say out of all the other I listed, Sam Howell dropped the lowest. His stock went tanked the lowest. DJ, Ukulele, JT Daniels, and Rattlers probably all dipped the same. And Brees Hall, I would say dipped, but not as much as those three. So I'd say he dipped a little bit. But again, it's early. 
Iowa State really doesn't play anybody tough. Probably they'll probably play Oklahoma, maybe Texas. They're gonna play Iowa this week. They play in the basketball conference, so they should score a lot of points. His numbers should go up. Now we got C.J. Stroud. Again, he played well. Went 13 for 22, 294 yards in the air, passing, and four touchdowns. He did throw a pick, but he definitely impressed because we didn't know he was a question mark, just like Bryce Young was, because we hadn't seen them last year much, if at all. So he definitely rose. His stock definitely rose. Not really by much, but it definitely he's definitely, I would say, separated himself from the field as of right now, a little higher than the rest. Then we have Bryce Young, who in my opinion is a favorite right now. 27 for 38, 344 yards passing, four touchdowns. Which again, broke the record set by Mac Jones and Broadway Joe Namath for most touchdowns in a Bama starting debut. Kid looked outrageous. Whether rolling around in the pocket, Stepping up, avoiding sacks, and then slinging it downfield, keeping his eyes upfield the whole time. The kid was phenomenal. Impressed the hell out of me. Kudos to you, Bryce Young. Roll Tide. Keep, keep kicking ass. Now, I'm going to add a little of my takes in here, some of my hot takes, if you will. I'm going to throw some two, two names into the ring. One of them you definitely know. The other you probably will not know. I, know, I guarantee you, you won't know. For dark horses for the Heisman Trophy. That could be in New York City, possibly in in January. So let us let us get some takes right now. We have B. John Robinson, running back at the University of Texas. Hook 'em horns, or if you're at Oklahoma, horns down. Texas in their first game. They were victorious. I shall look up in a second what the scoreline was and who they played. It's not refreshing my mind, so I apologize for that. Pull it up real quick. And again, if you don't have a college football app, I recommend that much so. They beat Louisiana, who's ranked, I believe, 23 or 24 in the country. They beat them 38 to 18, so they beat them handedly. Okay, Texas is now ranked number 15 in the country. And Bijan Robinson on 20 rushes, ran, rushed for 103 yards, one rushing touchdown, and he had four receptions for 73 yards and a receiving touchdown. So he had two total touchdowns, shows the versatility by receiving and rushing. Great dual threat Brack, as many backs are in college, but he definitely stood out to me over a bunch of other running backs and even... Heisman candidates, because that's what we're talking about here. So, again, if te- if Texas can win games and go undefeated into the Oklahoma game, which will be week sit week six of the season, and they beat them, they do play Oklahoma State, Baylor, Iowa State, West Virginia, so they do have some potential upsets in there or games that they can lose. If they go undefeated or one or two losses and either win the Big 12 or, again, have two or three losses at the end of the year and Bijan Robinson keeps putting up numbers, man, don't expect a Longhorn to don't expect the Longhorn not to be there in January. He's one of my dark horses. And probably, again, someone you've never heard of before. This will be the hottest take that anyone will hear. Well, he's one of the, probably the hottest take I will have this season so far. 
is Malik Willis. For those of you who do not know who Malik Willis is, Malik Willis is the starting quarterback for Liberty University. They just went to the FBS, I believe, in 2018, so recently. They are back-to-back Cure Bowl champs. Their coach is Hugh Freeze, who used to be the old Miss coach. A little background on Hugh Freeze. If, for those who don't recall, when Alabama lost two years in a row, which I believe was 2014 and 2015, to Old Miss during the regular season, he was the coach. Bo Wallace was their prolific quarterback. And as people know, Alabama doesn't do good with running quarterbacks. Notoriously in the past, not even now. So he was the quarterback, Hugh Freeze was the coach, and they beat us two years in a row. He went to Liberty, started coaching them, brought them from an FCS program, which I don't know if I explained this in the first episode, but FBS is Division I college football, as we know. The Ohio State's the Bamas, the Pac-12, the Big 12, the ACC, the Big Ten, the SEC, the Sun Belt, Coastal Carolinas, the BYUs, the Notre Dames. That's FBS. FCS, as it was known back in the day, is 1AA. That's the Marist, the Delawares, the North Dakota State, who have won literally the past seven out of the eight national championships, I believe, in the FCS. You can look that up. The South Dakota State. Schools, JMUs, James Madisons. Those are the schools in the FCS. So Liberty is kicking ass. Like I said, back-to-back Cure Bowl champs. Malik Willis' stats, I will give it to you. 15 for 23 passing. So again, not meant too many passes, but passed for 217 yards. One touchdown in the air. And he had five rushes for 55 yards and a touchdown. Last year, he led all quarterbacks with the most passing yards and rushing yards. Like total, like for a certain number of passing yards, he rushed for over 900-something yards last year. Which is the most... In FBS, more than Justin Fields, more than, Tra- more than Trevor Lawrence, more than some of the big names, Zach Wilson's, all the quarterbacks out played in the FBS last year. So this kid can play. Some background on him. He was a transfer from Auburn. <laughs> Auburn, you, you fucked up. You lost a stud. So he transferred from Auburn to Liberty. In the past two, two years, he's put Liberty on his back and has, again, Shown, proved to the world. He hasn't been on the national stage, so he hasn't been able to do that yet, per se. But that Coastal Carolina game last year definitely put them on the map. But they played Coastal in the Cure Bowl. Came down to the wire, and Liberty blocked the field goal at the end of the game to win the Cure Bowl for the second straight year. So, again, it is a long stretch. But, again, it's one of my takes. Malik Willis, keep the name in check. If they win... Went throughout. They go undefeated, which I'm looking at their schedule right here. Some of the tough games include Syracuse, away, away at University of Alabama, Birmingham, UAB. Home against UMass. Away at Old Miss, so that's the revenge game for Hugh Freeze. Home against Louisiana. And then home against Army, last game of the season. So they have four, five tough games. But if they go undefeated, they, they win their conference. Honestly, well, actually, scratch that. They're an independent, just like Notre Dame, so they don't have a conference. But if they go undefeated, go to another big bowl game and win, and if Malik puts up these type of numbers or even more, hey, 
Zach Wilson was in the Heisman conversation last year. Why can't Malik Willis? And just to give you some information, I went to the Liberty game last weekend, their home opener. They played the Campbell Camels. Actually, the Campbell Fighting Camels. My apologies to the Campbell Fighting Camels. They're a small school in North Carolina. I believe they're an FCS school. Came into Liberty. I went to the game. I was fortunate enough to go. One of my close friends goes there. My girlfriend goes there. Shout out to all of them. Some of my best friends have gone there. It's a great atmosphere. The stadium holds 25,000, which is literally the, the limit to be FBS, or the minimum, I should say, for FBS. But student section was packed. Great to have fans back in the stands. The great enriching band, the environment, the chance, just the camaraderie was amazing. Again, college football is better than the NFL. Not a hot take, that's a fact. And this kid, Malik Willis, reminded me of Deshaun Watson when he ran the ball. Looked like he was running in slow motion, literally making guys look silly. So definitely, if you have a chance to watch Liberty, if they're nationally televised this year, I would definitely tune in. That old Miss should definitely be nationally televised at some channel. Maybe the Army game, maybe the Syracuse game. So keep your eyes peeled for that. And honestly, Roll Tide, Clemson and Georgia, screw them. And uh, cheers to another great week of college football. I appreciate everyone listening in. Next week, I might, again, I haven't established this yet, but next week I might bring my first one of my buddies on to talk about, give a little context. He goes to Clemson. I might have him come on, talk about the atmosphere, the game day traditions, going to Clemson, etc., etc. And I'm probably going to do that, if not starting next week, the week after, and I might have to do a person every week. And it's not going to take up the whole, the whole podcast, the whole show, but it'll be a significant part just to, you know, get that insight as a as a you know fan base, as a community we have here. It's great to have other inputs. Besides just me and my Bama stories, which I will get to. Don't worry, I have plenty of those. But that's where we're going. Sorry if you heard my dryer in the background. I don't have the whole studio set up yet. And again, if this audio is kind of foul, I'm working on ordering a mic and a headset. And one of my buddies, I have some ideas for uh, the art for the cover of the podcast. That RSS is not going to be my podcast <laughs> cover. So don't be worried about that. As they say, you know, I got some friends in the industry. Uh, quoting Drizzy on that. So, uh, you know, stay in the, stay tuned. Stay in the works for uh, the great logo coming in. Some great wall, uh, art for the podcast coming in. That will be in the works. And uh, thanks for stopping in. Roll Tide. God bless you all, and uh, look forward to tomorrow. Alrighty, peace.